So we're live. What's up, everybody? This is Side Stage Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and your other host, Keaton. <laughs> what up, Chris? What's up, man? Uh, so this is the first episode of Side Stage. We're going to call it the pilot. It's the first one we have. Um, so kind of what we want this. This will not be released to the public. What? But if we become famous, <laughs> you'll get these outtakes. So uh, kind of what we're thinking for this is uh, this is kind of an all things music podcast, all types of music, anything uh, album related, gear related, um, anything really that we see fit. Uh, Even what we're podcast. doing in music ourselves, because hopefully one day we'll track some instruments, whatever, whatnot ourselves, and hopefully we can bring you along that journey. Yeah, exactly, man. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully we can get some stuff done, but uh, here later we're, during the gear talk portion, we're going to uh, give you a rundown of what we're using right now, which is fairly cheap and primitive gear, but hopefully one day we can upgrade. Uh, but this podcast, it's been a thought I've had for a long time. I really just love music. I'm a big gearhead, so I like tinkering with stuff and spending too much money on uh, equipment, as we, as you can probably tell. Um but it's a good time, man. I'm excited. I'm ready to get this thing started and ready to see what we can do. Hope you guys enjoy it. So, a little backstory. You and I have been friends for, I don't know, 23, 24 years, something like that. Yeah, it's been a while. I would just say, what, second grade elementary school? Probably, I yeah. I know it was third grade. You had Miss Tyson, right? Yeah. Yeah, so at least we know it was third grade. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <when> we... uh, <laughs> Hey! <laughs> the dog's trying to get the camera. And also, just saying that, one reason why we're hoping to do this and take this off is uh, as we grew older, as most friends do, they grow, not grow apart, but time becomes, what do you call it? A, uh, that's a word time I'm just gets for. away. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a resource that you... Depletes every day. So, um, that being said, you know, Chris and I have rekindled our friendship. He's got back from, can I say tour of duty? Doesn't matter. Like, being. I mean, I was in the military for five yeah. years. So that kind of made it hard stuff. to hang out and whatnot. I went off to college, same time, same period. Nerd. <laughs> yeah. So, more or less, this is a good way for us to start hanging out again. We're local again because I was living in a different city from where we grew up in. We're. All back home, ready to go, kick it, enjoy life. So just to get this out of the way, um, Keaton and I's biggest influence through life in music is Blink-182. That was the band, that was the first album I ever bought. Uh, Every time we would play music back in the day, I'd come over, it was always Blink-182 riffs, and would you know it, it's still the only songs he knows how to play today. Um, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Pretty close. uh, It's pretty accurate. Uh, we're huge Blink fans, but that, you know, through the years has developed into other styles. Like, I'm really into um, metalcore, hardcore, stuff like that. That's kind of where I sit, but also have a really big soft spot for country music. Huge fan. Uh, so, I get made fun of that for a lot, but whatever. Yeah, uh, so, speaking on the Blink thing, I just want to give a little more insight on this. <laughs> So, again, I would say probably the time that I became a huge Blink fan, I was no less second grade, eight, ten years old. And I'll be honest with My you. My dad wouldn't let me buy their albums yeah, the because first, they said bad words. Exactly. <laughs> the first album I remember listening to was the Mark Thomas Travis show. 
which is actually a live album and has a lot of takes of them more or less cutting it. I yeah. would say a bad word, but we're not trying to cuss on this podcast here. During the middle of it, and they're saying some things that are definitely not age appropriate for that age. <laughs> so Chris and I both had older brothers, which probably played a huge influence in listening to Save oh, because they were probably the ones that introduced him to it. Um, so yeah, I remember clearly. I was probably eight years old, and I asked my mom what a blowjob was because of a song on the Mark Tom and Travis show. <laughs> And she told me at that time it was a job that you do, and you're just walking around, you vacuum houses, you get paid for it. For a oh, long time, I believed that. <laughs> but good stuff, man. The first album I bought by them was uh, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Which is a pun, and you don't realize yeah. that when you're like 10. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I uh, honestly didn't realize that until probably two or three years ago. Uh, That's pretty bad, Chris. I know. Uh I don't pay attention. I don't read inside the lines very often on stuff. Uh, but yeah, no, like uh, that album, Josie, uh, First Date, those songs, just iconic, especially if you're a true Blink fan. You don't get any better than that. <laughs> I hate to do this to you, but Josie was on uh, Dude Ranch. Well, not Josie. It, yeah. it's, he mentions Josie yeah, in one of the songs. Whatever that I think song. it's track two. You know? Yeah, the second track. Josie, whatever the song mind. is. Yeah, yeah. I, I follow you along. Just yeah. had to do it. So, whatever, dude. Uh, nah, man. So that was my... That's kind of where we come from in music, as I think a lot of people that listen to rock still today or, or heavier music, I think Blink-182 definitely was a stepping stone for a lot of people. But it's funny, I remember in high school, a buddy of mine, Anthony, that I, I'm really good friends with. Uh, More than likely will be on this podcast from time to time. Will definitely be on here. Um, probably a lot. He's one of my best friends and really the same music taste and everything. Um, but uh, I remember one time I was still on the Blink train, like freshman year of high school, and he mentioned this band Chiodos to me. And uh, I was like, nah, bro, I said, that's that's entirely too heavy for me, man. I don't I don't like that screaming stuff. That's, that's not even music, man. And literally less than a year later, I was a humongous Whitechapel fan, just death metal all the way. It's a big jump there. Yeah, so there was never really a... Uh... With that being said, speaking of Anthony, Chris was that to me. So we actually went to Flick Video, which is a old movie rental store <laughs> that does not exist now. And if I'm not mistaken, he can correct us. I can't remember. I think it was a Mazda Miata. Was I wrong dude, that wrong? Did Miata, you drive a Miata? Yeah, okay, bro. yeah. Drive Miata. He's like, dude, check this out. And he actually played the cover of Since You've Been Gone by Day to Remember. Now, at that time, and it's kind of ironic because... Speaking of like how heavy White Chapel is, like that song's relatively soft compared to like oh, it's, some White Chapel stuff. Some like, radio stuff is too heavy, is. you know, too heavy for me. But long story short, that's literally a day to remember. Now it's probably become top five band for me, easily. Yeah, I'm not super now, proud to admit, but I do have one of Day to Remember's album logos tattooed on me. So love those, love that band, but that probably wasn't the best decision to get tattooed. That's uh, <laughs> no, all right. And but we have a wide range. I know this sounds crazy, and we probably shouldn't admit this. He admitted, you know, mixed country. I've probably a salsa for some alternative, some folk stuff. Um, huge Twenty One Pilots fan. I know some people are gonna be like, "Hey, left or right," but just some of the lyrical content and the imagery and messaging. And literally, he wrote an album called Blurry Face, which is a concept album that pretty much was hidden to the world unless you really dove into it. Just amazing craftsmanship. So, big fan of them. Probably one of the best concerts I've seen live. Just two dudes just killing it up there. Yeah, that's something 
you know, until I started playing in the group that I'm playing in now, um, I always kind of, I, I was, guess I was naive because playing in like hardcore bands, uh, back in high school and stuff like that, we didn't never ran like tracks or any, any backing tracks or anything. It was just what you see is what you get, you know? And I, I always thought it was weird. Like wondered how these two piece bands like 21 pilots and, uh, the White Stripes, how these bands, how there was any substance to their music. You know what I'm saying? Just because, like, you have two people, there's no there's no rhythm or no lead guitar or nothing. Yeah, and then I, totally. And then, you know, it's funny. Like, I guess I knew it but didn't know it. But now, in the groove I play in now, we run a lot of backing tracks and stuff like that to feel the sound, to make it real big, even in the small church that we play in. So I guess I was just naive and honestly kind of stupid. Yeah, I'll be honest that. with you. I'm still naive to music this day. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. I remember growing up, from the majority of my youth, I thought music videos were live. <laughs> so, I think most people did until they realized that it wasn't. So, No, I never thought that. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it is what it is, right? <laughs> no, but another thing we I want to do on this podcast, and we've talked about it, is uh, I would like to find musicians, local musicians that I'm friends with, uh, other people. Uh, and have them on here and kind of showcase what they do. You know, we may only have three people that ever listen to this whole thing, but if I can turn three people on to a band that not many people know about that they should, then that's that's three people that have heard it, you know. So that's something I'd really like to do is um, really just showcase people. And just I just like talking music, so that's really what this is about. And hopefully we can continue to do this. Yeah, I agree. I just uh, got to get this out here, though. Um, I know we really haven't spoke too much on ourselves, but Chris and I both play guitar, play a little bit of bass here and there. He's a way better drummer than I am. I'm a way better ukulele player, baritone, doesn't matter, soprano, alto. I would love to learn how to play I can kill the uke. It's all chords. It's pretty simple. And actually, that came from my uh, 21 Pot stuff because big fan of them. He uses a uke on stage. I'm a loser. So with that being said, you know, we and then we're constantly trying to craft our skills because I both I think we would both agree that we're both pretty amateur for the majority of the instruments oh, I we suck. play. I suck. But uh, I I, I play about. I play in a group uh, at my church, uh, uh, Four Points Church, and um, we I started out as bass because they needed a bass player, and um, I played bass mostly throughout my life and picked guitar here and there. Um. What's funny is I always looked up to Keaton, looked up to you for, like, because, like, you were that friend of mine that played guitar more than anybody I knew. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, that dude can, he can, he can rip, and I want to, I want to play with him. You know what I'm saying? But it's funny, the group I play in at church, I am 100% the least talented individual in that, uh... Zach's our worship leader. He is fantastic at guitar. He is, uh, he really understands guitar and understands music, period, recording, sound engineering. I think his dad does, does something along, he's like the sound guy at a church, but I think he does it more so on the side. I'm not really sure. Daniel, our drummer, who is our, our preacher's son, Daniel's good with all that too. He's really good at the the gear side, like the mixing and stuff like that. Uh, Caleb 
just started playing with us again. He played with them back in the day. Caleb's really good at bass. He's playing guitar with us this week. And uh, from what I have seen him play guitar, he's really good. And me, I I learned the songs that we play. And I, <laughs> there's no ad-libbing or anything, you know. I just really learn what I need to play and play it. You know what I'm saying? With that being said, some of your greatest guitarists alive right now, and some will agree with this, some won't, but like one of my favorites, Mark Tremonti. I know we saw it from Blink. Big Tom fan. Love him. Chasing Aliens, all that good stuff. But Mark, he's probably, I would say, my biggest inspiration when learning guitar because that dude plays in any tune you can imagine, shreds in any tune you can imagine, and he will tell you to this day that he's constantly always learning. He's always finds guitars who he thinks is better than him, and yet he was voted, if I'm not mistaken, because, again, we're wrapping the decade up here, where we're into the new one now, but he was voted by multiple magazines, multiple websites, as the number one guitarist for the last decade. And yeah. yet the dude is still humble to this day about learning how to play Well, I'm, I'm guitar, not a fan you know, of so. any of his music, in, in all honesty. I'm, it's not the kind yeah, of rock on, that I you listen to. You know you to. love some Creed. Okay, old school Creed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can't see some Creed. I don't tell nobody, but... I can, like get, I can get on board with, yeah. But, uh, no, but watching his videos and watching him play is, it's unreal. Yeah, the dude's, the dude's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. And if you hear this, Mark, can you come on here? Because that would be phenomenal. <laughs> Guys, you know same with Miles, which is one of his band's Alter Bridge. Guy's a great guitarist. He's more feel, which is kind of interesting, where Mark's more technical. But still, both of them phenomenal musicians. But uh, if anyone ever want to listen to his stuff, because I know a lot of people get turned off with the creed stuff um which is the only band that i know any songs from his solo stuff because he actually does more like thrash and even like heavy just insane i mean some of the riff that he plays on that stuff is insane and he does lead vocals which is kind of interesting you know man i watch uh a lot of youtube and a lot of uh stuff as i'm like laying in bed at night and there's a guy that i really watch religiously named uh, rhett shul shout out rhett uh his YouTube channel is great, man. A lot of good gear content, a lot of uh, uh, just a lot of him playing, a lot of him reviewing stuff. Um, but there's these all these YouTube guitarists, and I was reading an article by I don't remember who was talking it, but a real famous guitar player for being great, and he's talking about probably Steve Raybon. No, no, it was, it's like somebody's still alive. I don't remember who it was. But it's talking about how guitar now guitar now is not the same as it used to be. Like, That's true. You got Steve Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, Eddie Van Halen, B.B. King, guys like that that are revered among the guitar community that they were doing stuff in their heyday no one had ever heard of before, right? But with the rise of YouTube and social media and all of this stuff, even podcasting, Playing the riffs that they played, like a Hendrix riff from back in the day, like even his hardest stuff, guys play that now without even thinking about it. Guitar is guitar has changed so much. It's not about doing speaking of that speed and crazy stuff. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's about finding something unique. Just to you alluding to that, just a fun fact. You can correct me if anyone ever listens to this. Jimi Hendrix himself, when he was playing guitar, was left-handed. Yeah, and he could he took not a right find a left exactly and flipped it upside down. That yeah. just shows you how far this more or less industry, musicians, yeah. everything has grown. Just the fact that again, you can buy from stock left-handed guitars. Yeah. No, he was. Well, I th- if
Yeah, there's some crazy junk. Probably like only that. had one string on it too. And he learned to shred that mm-hmm. one. I mean, who knows? You know, that's the but. same thing I read a long time ago. Read uh, Slash's autobiography, and that's the exact same thing. His grandma gave him guitar had one string on it. And that's how he learned. It's phenomenal. Some of these people, truthfully, we can speak on this some other time and more. But some people are born with it, and some, some people, people have to work. Yeah, as hard as possible to get to it. And some people work their whole life and still can't do it. And as long as you get there and you enjoy what you're doing, it doesn't yeah. matter how you get there, but I would just say some have it a little easier than others. Oh, I 100% agree with that. Some people, like like Mark Tremonti, even you were talking the other day about how he's not a learned guitar player, meaning he didn't go to school to play guitar. He didn't. He doesn't truly know music theory necessarily. The dude just exactly. has feel for what sounds right, and he has feel for to know what he's doing. He learned the majority of his stuff was from um, there's VHS back in the day, but I don't even know what they're called instructional videos. Yeah. I guess you would say. So he learned a bunch from that actually, and then he just kind of evolved his own craftsmanship from there. And so and, that um, that's literally just that's pure God given talent. Yeah, you know, I mean, literally, that's, that's all that is. Somebody that can do that and be as good as he is. And have an understanding of how to play guitar and how to really do it. Now, it's crazy. Speaking of that, and we're going to circle back around talking about how naive we are in music in itself. And that's kind of one of the reasons why um, this podcast is, again, striking a chord with us. Yeah, I, I did that pun there. <laughs> but more or less speaking, is um, I haven't never been much of a gearhead. Chris is over here. He's definitely diving in that stuff and teaching me stuff pretty much every week. Um, so that's always enthralling just to listen, figure out some of that stuff. But just speaking of the naiveness of, I guess, of music in itself, for the longest time, if I didn't think you were playing fast or if you were shredding fast or whatever it may be. You weren't any good. Exactly. Yeah. And then we've come to realize, just humble pie in herself, is just writing a song, even a four-chord structure, could be one of the hardest things you've ever done. And it's insane how naive in these certain mindsets that you have you know just based off of that and then this pre-notion of when we're trying to write ourselves because again speaking of chris you know like Whitechapel, and some of this hard stuff you know chugging on the top string or whatever it may be um a lot of tremani stuff if you listen to majority of his stuff it goes from figure picking to throwing down a riff all the way into a you know chorus bridge i mean it's just insane guitar work and like when you're writing you're like man i can't really replicate this right now and kind of, you know, you're like, man, can I even write music? Yeah. But in a nutshell, yeah. it's one of those things where, like, you, hopefully you get there if you want to write that kind of music. But at the same time, if you just drop a four-chord song, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. ACDC, it's pretty yep. much a three-chord structure, but everyone knows their stuff. Yep. Phenomenal songwriters to their extent. Same thing and with... And it's, it's more of, yeah, you don't have to be ripping these 220 BPM riffs you know what i'm saying like a lot of your I'll most power to you if you can oh yeah for real uh but you get into it man and a lot of these these crazy good well-known musical acts acdc stuff like they're writing literal four chord progressions with a little bit of a lead line and a lot of distortion but it is the composition, how well it's being put together, and it's the way they put it together. A lot of exactly. real and like anthem type stuff. How you deliver it? That's what exactly. Saying. A lot of Delivery. like just yep. stuff that when you hear it, it gets you going. And I will say that's you know. kind of a 
um, I wouldn't say lost, but in modern music, there is a lot of. I'll give you an example of a band, Our Last Night. Yep. I don't know if you ever heard of them, yep. but they are a YouTube. Yeah, they straight do a, up studio. I mean, they do a lot of cover. You can tell they're great musicians. Definitely yeah. taking songs that don't even have any kind of guitar, any kind of bass line, whatever it, it is, yeah. and they turn into it. But that's what it is. It's mechanical to some extent. Whereas these other bands we we're talking about, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, back in the day, which regardless of what you think or how you think, I mean, they laid the groundwork for us. Oh, 100 percent. If there was not a Zeppelin, if there was, let's even go back even further. Not necessarily even further, but different. If there wasn't a Beatles, I hate to say that word, by the way. Yeah, if there wasn't a Beatles, if there wasn't an Elvis. But what I was getting at is they had to do it live. Yeah. You're going to find some bands these days that will sound phenomenal on record, and you see them live, and they just look like statues. You know what's crazy? I notice a lot of the opposite here, Um, especially in like metal. That's your choice of music. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there's a band I love so much, but I do not listen to their albums. For Today, they're not a band anymore. For Today is a Christian metal group, and their albums, I mean, they're good. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're not, because they're better musicians than I'll ever be. But it, there's something about their albums that doesn't really resonate with me. But seeing that band live, I've seen them probably three or four times. Dude. The presence you feel, and they're a Christian band, and Matt or were Maddie, their vocalist, would all but like preach on stage. And you, regardless if you're religious or not, you could feel a something in that room, where there's energy, whether it was whatever you want to tell yourself it was, it was just next level. You know what I'm saying? They those bands understand how to put on a show, though. That's and. Then- and a lot of times, songwriting doesn't have to be... The, you don't have to be that good of a songwriter if you know how to perform live. Yeah, exactly. You know? I but agree. then, like you, like you said, there's some bands that can just write some just ridiculous songs, but when they play it live... Nickelback. Might as well be asleep. I'm Not Nickelback. Nickelback. Not Nickelback, actually, I saw them live, and to this day, live, that band was extremely tight. I know a lot of well, people... No crap, dude. I mean, they're one of the biggest bands it ever. It was insane <laughs> how well I guess you can say they put on that show but that being said it's kind of interesting you kind of alluded to that because I think a lot of bands are actually going back you know you can say lots of cycle because bands these days as everyone knows merch and your live shows is what will keep you going keep you touring and hopefully make a living for yourself because the way the industry is going again capitalism doesn't matter what you agree how you agree about it but with all this more or less streaming which is monopolizing the industry yeah, it's turned into. I mean, they're making sense now, per like I through think album stream or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think Apple Music pays. I was actually looking this up recently. Apple Music pays the most per streaming service. But still, man, it's like even but it's per nothing. thousands of streams. Yeah, it's so, millions of streams. It's just sense. Yeah, it's so phenomenal. Every yeah, like you're saying, every band or every or music industry now. No one really cares about album sales anymore. That is a metric that is yep. out the window. It is the way they make their money is touring and merch sales. But then I, I didn't know this, man, because I've never been in a big time touring band. So a lot of these uh, places take a like venues take a merch yep, cut. They do, which is yep. bullcrap. Yep. But 
I will say some musicians who are big enough actually take a cut from the alcohol sales from those venues. That's big. Oh, the the, the musicians, musicians take will. the cut. Yeah, to some extent. Now why, you gotta be pretty big to be able to pull that off. Why don't you just swap it? Like you don't take mm-hmm. it. Nobody takes anything. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I gotta admit though, I love music to this day. I actually try to buy albums from my favorite bands. I know you're saying you're buying what is it, LPs or the whole big old records. You know, what I'm vinyls. Saying? I've been one. Vinyls, to, I've been. Yeah, I, I have a three or four vinyls. I, I, that's a big thing now since album sales suck. Yep. Bands are putting vinyls out just to sell them, and I've been buying a few. I got. My favorite one is the Ghost Inside. Uh, you get what you give album. That I mean, I've never listened to it on vinyl. It's still in a plastic, but yeah, I have I it. I leave it that way. I paid for it. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. what I'm saying? But yeah, I mean, just speaking to it, they got to make money. I guess to, not in different ways, but they are making more money now per live per. Yeah. You know, and I don't again speaking of it because you go to a concert, man, and the cheapest T-shirt you're gonna find is three dollars. I mean, thirty dollars. I was about to say three dollars. I got what thing, concerts you going to? I was going to say that thing was more than less manufactured for probably three dollars. Well, you know what? Maybe you got to feel good about buying that shirt, is what I'm saying. Because if oh, you yeah. want to continue hearing these musicians, you want to continue hearing these acts, man. You have to kind of shell out for it. You have to say, "I want to hear it." Because the majority of us who are in these streaming services now, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I haven't bought an actual album two years, three years. Yeah. Just download it right off iTunes, listen to it, and I'm done with it. It just you know, and now at this point, it's flooded. Like, yeah. you got, because of the access to it, and I'll be, you know, just today alone, a band called Breaking Benjamin, which a lot of people know, they dropped an acoustic album. Pretty cool, by the way. It's kind of interesting. It's a different story about speaking about that band. But then at the same time, one of our favorite, you know, For Your Strong, I showed you, they got a couple new tracks out, more or less. Um, all kinds, just drop these new stuff, and I'll listen to it, what, 10, maybe? max 10 times that's it and those 10 listens that i give either of those songs or either of those albums i mean what are you looking at since to that musician yeah but you're talking about merch um manufactured for uh um but yeah man like uh bands making these shirts for three dollars whatever a lot of them if you look at band merch it's made by a company called uh, gildan or something like that. But I've noticed there's this rise in, uh, well, I say metalcore and hardcore, but the real band I feel like really started that is a band called 100. They used to be a hardcore band from Myrtle Beach, and now they're kind of like a, it's called like shoegaze. It's real, it's different. Uh, it's cool, it's good music, but they own in a metalcore band named Varial. There are two bands that are really into this like high-end merch. A lot of cool designs and printed on really good product. Um, so like their merch is expensive, but you wash it, it's not you. Can, you know you can wear it more than one time. Like a lot, unlike a lot of band merch. Yeah, you know what I'm true. saying? Because I have got a well, even back when I was playing in a band, or my buddies were in a band called North Bay. Uh, I mean, given they're a local band from Hickory, North Carolina, so they're not going to have shout out to Hickory, North Carolina. Shout out. Uh, so <laughs> They're not going to have some crazy expensive merch because no one's going to pay for that. Pay for a $35 shirt at a show it costs you $5 to get into. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But merch is definitely one of those things that is a moneymaker. That's a complete tangent right here. Speaking of merch, you made me think of this. You mentioned you have a date and remember tattoo, right? Mm -hmm. How come bands, now if someone takes this idea and runs with it and makes some money about it, I'm the original thought right here, so I <laughs> come back to this. 
How do they not make royalties for like tattoos? I don't think it. I don't. You know, like yeah, but they definitely more or less have some kind of intellectual property over. Like even well, to Blink a point, album, but you know? I guarantee you, like Jeremy, we can't make an album and print off a Blink One Eight Two sign right now and put it out there, you know? Yeah, but that's be that's sued we, instantly. We're selling it for for value. Jeremy McKinnon or however you say his name, right? But does not know I have the for those who have heart album tat, album cover tattooed on yeah, my chest. That's true. But I'm just saying, and I'm not making any money you know? off of it. Nah, like having to pay loyalties, you know? Well, I'm just curious. I will like, say mine is a little. It's it's changed, so. <laughs> That's, that's the key right there. It's the key, you know. I'm saying, and I have another idea for a tattoo that I really want that has ties to a band. But. Yeah, I'm actually the same way. I don't have any currently, but if I ever get to that point, it it does have some a lot of symbolism ties to all kinds of bands here or there. But that being said, so we can move on a little bit. Uh, no, wait, I mean, what have you been listening to recently? Um, I've been stuck. What's weird is I'm not even been stuck on a metal album lately. I've been stuck on, uh, oh, what is the guy's name? Let me find it. I found this guy on accident. Um, Teddy Swims is a guy I've been listening to. It's a white guy that looks. I don't really know what he looks Shout like. Shout out to Teddy, though. Teddy is can sing, bro. Yeah. The guy's got some pipes. I'll show him for you here in a little bit. Uh, been listening to a lot of a guy, uh, that that guy Rhett Shull I mentioned. I watched and listened to his YouTube channel uh, a lot. Been listening to the guy he's the lead guitar player for named Noah Guthrie. Uh, Noah's really good, really good voice. They got some good music. But I've been stuck on three albums since they came out in like around August time frame. Um. Knocked Loose, A Different Shade of Blue. It is tied with this next album for my albums of the year in 2019. Uh, the next one is uh, uh, Counterparts, their new album, uh, Nothing Left to Love. Those two albums, in my opinion, are albums of the year 2019. There's no even no remote question, you know. And then Dayseeker, I think I showed you Dayseeker. Yeah, I've they put out an album, that album quite a bit called Sleep Talk. Yeah, exactly. And for those who don't know, Dayseeker is Dayseeker was a fairly heavy band with a lot of screaming type stuff, and their vocalist has a killer voice. Well, this new album has very little screaming, and it's more of him singing, which normally I would steer away from. But it is everything from down to the down to the mix is perfect. The album is. Now, speaking of it's that, ridiculous. I do have some beef because with the internet, everything being just completely available these days and you can 10 seconds, you know, voice your concerns, comments, or whatever it may be. Um, majority of these musicians that we grew up enjoyed, loved, including Blink-22. I was going to say they released a new album last year called Nine, which I enjoyed quite a bit. I did too. It was a good album. And it is it's a better than what they put out in the last five years. I yeah, think it's agreed, best. and it's one of those weird things with the majority of people. If you ever go and read their comments, it's like, "Well, this is not Tom." Well, no, you got to get over that. You know, he's like, not in the band. Exactly, I agree, and hasn't been for ten years. But speaking of like Day Seeker, as well as another big one, a lot of people used to be, I'm assuming, still big fans of. But Bring Me the Rising. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There's that one point in time in your life, man. These guys, I would assume, from the day they start playing these bands, 
are screaming their lungs out. Eventually, just anatomy of the body is not going to allow. You, Another one, ask Alexander, same thing. And for them to realize that and have to craft a different kind of sound, and truthfully, most musicians will say this, definitely long-running musicians who've proven themselves, I mean, you want to try different things. You know? um, well, here's the you thing. You want to do different things. And then for you guys to go out there and castrate them, more or less. Oh, yeah. Because he changes the way, you know, more or less the song deliveries. But then they even write a song in there, which is more or less breaking the fourth wall, called This Is Not Heavy Metal. Who? Bring Me The Rising on their okay, latest album in 2019. But I'm just saying, man, they dropped it right in front of you. Bring and they're like, we know you're going to bring this to us. When but. I listen to Bring Me The Rising, I'll never forget my buddy Jacob Carswell in high school was like the biggest Bring Me The Rising fan. They were, I liked them. They had a song called I Used To Make Out With Medusa. Man, that's, that's a risk right there. Yeah. yeah. Make eye contact, you're done. They were just this insanely heavy deathcore band or whatever you want to call it. And I get it. People grow up and people change. But whatever they put out recently is not Bring Me the Horizon. I don't know, man. It's one of those things where and I, like I I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I'm not on that on that bandwagon of, oh, if you know you need to change your band name, you're not writing the same music, blah, blah, <laughs> blah. I'm not about that because I get it. People grow up. People change. But this is almost like radio boy band pop. I'll give you an example. Now, first of all, stretch there. <laughs> do what you know that that's a stretch there no i mean because if you look the lyrical content like i said of the heavy metal song i know we're stuck on this bring me the rising but they literally just the idea of breaking the fourth wall and calling them out before they even drop an album more or less it takes some balls by the way it does and if you're a true fan you're gonna show up regardless but the thing about it which i enjoy the most of is hopefully if you're a true fan man you're gonna stick with them through thick or thin and the idea that it can possibly bring in X amount more so they can keep doing what they love. Uh, what's wrong with that? I always tell well, most people And that's that, another man. thing I just... I know see people uh, going mainstream and all this. That's but, another thing I just thought of. Monetary, all this new sound they have is going to take them to heights they never envisioned. Now, they did drop an EP, by the way, like a couple weeks ago. Did they? Don't listen to it. <laughs> if you truly, <laughs> truly... I think they're going to reach... It's not it. even close to like... Well, you know, they're they're collaborating with that uh, Halsey. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And it's more or less, I don't even know if there's a guitar in any of the tracks. See, that's one it's thing. It's weird, that's what bothers me. It is strange. But they're reaching an audience they never thought they'd ever reach, and yeah. they're going to make so much more money. So this is the thing that cracks so me up. I don't up, blame like, them. Speaking of it, and I know we're, because this tangent just goes strong, but... You sit there, and for these musicians that we grew up, these bands that you know we look at, look up to, hopefully play music from, inspired from, when they change, they get so much crap for it. But then when you have Post Malone, who sits there and shreds guitar on his album, and everybody thinks he's just a pop one-off, you're like, dude, that guy can do that? That, that is impressive. It's a completely different mindset just because of expectations yeah, that you oh, have. Yeah, uh, 100%. You know, but it's... Uh, what's it's funny is... I don't remember the band, um, but Post Malone tried out for a guitar. Oh, I think it was Crown the Empire, like a metal band or something like that. Post Malone tried out for a guitar for them back in the day. Happy he's scene. a legit musician. He's not some yeah, he's, idiot who like just happened to make one good song and then make it. 
He's talented. And shout out to Post if you ever hear this one come on the show. I love but him. Dude, that dude seems like he is having the best. He he seems like a genuine individual. Have. Like yeah, he true. seems very humble, very nice, yeah. and he's not letting the fame get to him. You know what's exactly. crazy though? I was reading something about, you know, White Iverson, his first single or first like hit. You know that song? I do not recall currently. It's great. It's fantastic. We'll to, to, to this day, it's great. Uh, he put that song out at like night before he went to bed or something crap like that. The next morning, said it had like 100,000 views. He had text messages from all kinds of people like, bro, what is this you just put out? And like pretty much got a deal off of one song. It blew up out of nowhere. And then, I mean, now That's Post awesome. Malone's Post Malone, you know? Yeah. But... That's what I like to hear. Someone that truly is talented and puts out music that the dude's loaded. I truly think at one point in time, definitely if you were capable, definitely if you've actually made an image to yourself, and I'll be honest with you, if we ever made it, if we ever you know started a sweet-ass band, it's one of those things where it's just like, I think at one point in time, just so hopefully you can make enough to secure your family and your family after you. Oh, if you want to take, you know, advantage of some capitalization and capitalizing on some stuff, man, go for it. Guys, this I is mean, coming from a guy who has a degree in, in accounting. You still have to be uh, a little <laughs> bit, you know, like true to yourself. Because regardless, if you do turn around and try to, let's say, write X or Y or Z because you're hoping to appeal to a broader audience, you still got to say so much true to yourself. I don't know if that's lyrical content or whatever it may be, but, you know, you and don't want to sit there and truly sell out, which I would assume is a conversation. And I'll give you an example. We're talking about 21 Pots um, and talking about 2019 music. I listened to Cedric Cedric. Now, their latest album was 2018 called Trench. But regardless of that, turn it back onto them. Um, from my understanding, you know, I looked them up. So their guy, like the big brain of them, Tyler Joseph, the guy's insane. It's phenomenal. Just lyricist is, is insane what he does. Writes the majority of his music. Um, he wrote a song on Blurry Face, which is um, the album prior to the one that he just released in 2018. And is the one that went, by the way, set records for like, I think every song on that album went gold, which is the first time this happened in the digital era. Holy crap. Which is, you know, kudos to them. If you hear me, Tyler, Josh, awesome. Good work. <laughs> but um, he wrote a song called Lane Boy. And it's actually directed towards more or less the producers and record labels saying, hey, you're trying your best to make sure you get the most out of me and squeeze me as dry as possible for monetization reasons. But in the song, in literally the song is talking about how he is doing it for himself. Yeah. And that's the whole point of music. And he even opened up about that album and struggling with how more or less everyone told him, hey, you want to write this? You need to write it this way. This is what 21 Pots is. We need more of this. We need this single, et cetera, et cetera, to get radio plays, to get ticket sales, et cetera. Where on the end of the day, from his standpoint, he wanted he's using his music as an outlet, which I'm, you know, most musicians I assume are. I don't think, and I I could you know turn around and kick me in the butt on this, but I don't believe most musicians actually ever get into it for the sole fact of making money. No, uh, there's there, I mean, for you to some, do it night in and night out. There's got to be a love for the music. You gotta love it, and you know what's what's what you're saying is like the producers telling him what he can and can't do. Well, now there's a rise in the music industry of independent artists. 
And that's so actually they have a full, godsend on it if you really think about it. Yeah, full creative control over their music. And now, don't get me wrong. producing now because of the technology that we yeah. have available. But having a legit producer give you insight is awesome. An extra set of ears can go a long way in, in the musical process. That's like um, Will Putney, who is, in my opinion, the best music producer in the game right now. He produces metal. The guitar player for um, Thy Art is Murder. Not Thy Art is Murder. Uh, I just forgot his band name. Um, also, he's the guitar player for a band called End. Uh, I don't know why I said Thy Art is Murder. End. Uh, and he, but he, he doesn't tour with his band anymore because he's making records all the time. Too busy with that. So he's a part of their writing process and he records all their stuff. But he just doesn't tour. Having a guy like that in the studio, like he recorded these last two, this my two albums of the year. He's the producer on those albums, and having a guy like that in the studio with you is is priceless. You can't put a monetary value on that because he one is a guitar player, and he plays bass. He's, he's a musician. Let's just go with that. He is a mix engineer. He's a producer. He's a sound engineer. Having an extra set of ears, kind of like. You know, that's a, like him saying, that's a good idea. Let's try this. And I remember he has a motto. I've heard him say it, and I've heard other guys say it. You may hate my idea, but try it before you hate it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and it makes sense. It's and a little by right there. <laughs> exactly. But you can listen to his albums, and he has a track record of, okay, maybe the guy knows what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? And it helps knowing and playing you know? Yeah, and I think some bands will probably actually have more trust in that too. Oh, hundred percent. The fact that he can shred if he needs to, you know. Oh yeah. See, like I like it, that riff, but let's try this. Like, yeah. let's drop it. I know, mean, this era going back to like we were talking about earlier, you're not as you know one of our biggest influences when Blink lost their longtime producer. It mm-hmm. literally shook them to a core. Every one of the members of that band at that current time, like they felt it. Not just like, hey, you know, someone we knew or whatever. I mean, he was more or less part of that band to he some extent. He was one of the guys in that plane that crash was No. What? God, what was his name? I thought it was like Jerry Buckheimer. Buckheimer? Something like that. But it, he was not. No, he was not. But um, He must have been one of Travis's like, DJ producers. I think that was buddy. one of the reasons that even probably led to, because I hate to say this, big Blink fan, love him to death, love all the members, if you hear me out there. But I think Tom got a little egotistical. He wanted to self-produce. He wanted to... You know, kind of control a lot of that stuff from my understanding, you know, and mm-hmm. to me, writers. And with that being said, you look at the God, songs now, it's phenomenal. But like Angels and Airwaves, which is his current band, it's literally him. I think his name's Elon Rubin, which is they phenomenal musician as well. Two or three actual band members, right? Yeah. They have touring and musicians, correct? The writers and producers and everything on the album is only them. Like, yeah. They're pretty self included, where you look at the new Blink album, man, you might see like six to eight writers on there or six to eight yeah. producers or whatever it may be. But that's just kind of, it's different ideologies, first of all, as you were alluding to. Never hurts to have a different kind of perspective on things. But I'm just saying, like, even going back to it, speaking of Blink, and again, if you listen to this podcast, you love Blink, you're going to hear it. All kinds of stuff about it. Because I've, you know, listened to him, looked up to him, um, you know, musically. The guys seem genuine now at this point in their life and career. Um, but, and they're opening up about your album that you bought, the Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. So when that album was brought to them originally, it was actually more similar to the self-titled album. Yeah. Tom wanted to go a little harder. He, 
you know, they understood that Enemy of the State got them where it got them. They understood that. Well, you know why Tom wanted to go a little heavier? Uh, I've actually watched some stuff on him, and uh, he grew up like a like a purist punk kid, punk, yeah, punk and hardcore kid. So riding the Cure, Cure was a big fan too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Tom, his influences are heavier than Mark and Travis. Travis is a big hip hop background. And then if you haven't listened to Boxcar Racer, by the way, that album is actually very reflective of that kind of style and what Tom was aiming for for the Take Off Your Pants and Jacket album. Which didn't happen, but you can hear it on the self-titled album, which yeah. is pretty interesting. But with that being said, Tom and Mark both brought a demo. And I have no idea what song was brought to them, by the way, because I've always wondered this on the Take Off Your Pants and Jacket album. Um, and this is you can find this widely on there. There's articles written, there's videos written about them talking about it. But they went to whomever it was. I can't, I don't think it was Geffen Records at the time. It may yeah, have been. It was Geffen. They've been on Geffen um, for a long time. But um, they told him, like, hey, man, this ain't Blink. Because yeah. Blink to them at that point was all the small things. What's my age again? Mm-hmm. You know, this pop punk, hey, let's go party tonight kind of thing. And so I'm I'm extremely curious if anyone ever has the answer out there or if we can ever get them on here to tell us what songs they actually brought to whomever it was to figure out how to produce that album. But it turned into, long story short, they said, no, this ain't Blink. So out of spite, Tom went and wrote First Date that day and turned it in as a joke, which ended up becoming the biggest song, mistaken, probably their biggest song multi-platinum, ever. Multi-platinum, yeah. the lead single on the album. And then Mark went home and wrote The Rock Show, which again is the same concept. And it's, I mean, if first of all, it's phenomenal songs, that you wrote those two songs. the same song. It's true, but phenomenal songs. Everybody knows it. They sound oh, great. I love them. But again, it's just kind of the influence. And now, thankfully, because of... I guess you don't have to rely as much on these master producers because everything can actually be bought in-house. You know, you can yeah. build your own studio. That I do think it is lining up a little bit, and for actual creative expression, it is for at least the fields of music that we listen to because you still listen to pop and all that stuff. You can well, there's I a mean, there's a country singer. Yeah, um, they're still highly produced by the studio itself. You know, well, there's a country singer named Cody Johnson, and uh, if you don't like country. Fast forward a little bit. Um, <laughs> Cody Johnson is from Texas. He is amazing. Like Cody Johnson is one of the best country singers I've ever heard, first vocally wise, vocal wise, and song wise. Right. His first two albums were released independently in Texas. So unless you really got into country music, you didn't know who Cody Johnson was. And then now his newest album, he finally signed with a label. I guess he got enough of a backing and following where he, when they got in the meetings with these labels, he was like, look, I'm going to do things the way I want to do them. And if you don't like that, I'll go somewhere else or I'll release this album by myself again. You know what I'm saying? And so that is my best example of an independent artist getting kind of a, a leg up on the competition. Having a little bit of leverage. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And he is, he's fantastic. Seriously, like his voice is ridiculous. His songwriting. There's a video of him playing a song "On My Way to You" on an acoustic. Everything's tuned to half step down, and for him, one, just to be able to play the song on the guitar is impressive as an acoustic. Um, but to be singing while playing it, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's it's my it's almost unbelievable how good of a guitar player the guy is. 
but he is true and true Texas country, you know, to a T, but he's great, you know. I really have to do my due diligence on some of the country stuff because there is a general bias because the majority of country is studio rich. Oh, it's stupid. And it's just like you got this ex-musician put in front of a stage. You're going to sing these kind of words. You're going to strum on this guitar. And then you look out there, and they literally have, what, four studio touring musicians out there playing guitar? Dude, that dude's up there. It's just a show. It's a gimmick. I bet that thing's not even turn on. But yet, it's nah. what it is, you know. Well, okay. I'm just I, saying, I there's some musicians big... who are, such as, and I wanted to, Brad Paisley. That dude's phenomenal sick. guitarist. And he wrote the majority of his stuff. Kudos to him. So that's what I meant. Like, And that's, again, some of the naive and some of the biases that are, you know, that we kind of grew up on. Here's having. the country singers I listen, I listen to. Luke Combs, for two reasons. The dude's an amazing singer. Oh, yeah. And he puts on a great live show. And he's Is a that home, the dude that looks like he's me? He's a hometown dude. You kind of look like okay, him. Okay, I've been told that. But hey, man. He's from Chubby. And you can't. <laughs> uh, he's from Asheville. Went That's to Asheville. Awesome. You know what I'm saying? That's the one reason I like him. He's yep. a hometown dude. Speaking of that, I got tickets for Christmas to go see him at App in nice. May. Pretty excited about it. Uh, Chris Stapleton, there's nothing else needs to be said. He's amazing. Yeah, phenomenal. Uh, and just in this whole conversation, talking about expanding their horizon and what they can do. Dude, he has a joint song with Justin Timberlake. And it's great. And it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. No one sit there um, and destroyed him over it. I but, mean, kudos to him. Well, dude, I guarantee you, 60% of the number ones you've heard in, out of Nashville in the last 20 years, he's written. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and Tyler Childers. Tyler Childers is my favorite country singer right now. He's more folk-style country. The dudes. Well, that's what you're going to say. You're alluding to a lot of country insane. music. There's multiple musicians that yeah. are just write songs and sell them, et cetera, et cetera, who may never have their big break. Yeah. So Daryl well, Scott was a big fan of mine. He's folk, Americana. When and I was, he wrote uh, that Travis Tripp hit. It's a great day to be alive. No really? One, no one knows that. He I was, didn't know that. Yep, everything is Travis, Travis Tritt. Everybody thinks that. That's one of my yeah. favorite songs of all time. But with that being <laughs> said, you know, he's sitting back there, and I'm assuming unless he sold it straight up, man, he's getting royalties every time that song's played. So That's awesome. Kudos to him. I love that. Um, oh, what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Speaking of songwriters and stuff, I went – I was in Nashville – at the first of this month, first of the year, with a couple of friends of mine, me and my buddy Mark had been planning it for like a year, and uh, saw one of my high school buddies who moved to Nashville, um, Tyler Cannon. He uh, in high school the dude was stupid at guitar. Probably, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this: he's the best guitarist I've ever met or ever seen in person. I got some videos on my phone when I was in Nashville. I'll show you later. Um, hopefully, I have Tyler on here one day. Um, he is the lead guitar player for a country singer named Cowboy Troy. Um, yeah, Tyler's his lead guitar player, but Tyler plays on Broadway in Nashville, and he's met a couple country artists. He's um, buddies with uh, Cole Swindell, who's a good country singer, also a big songwriter. Um, and he was telling me that he would love to get in with those guys and get his name on a few songs, just helping write lead riffs and helping just write the songs, period. Because he said, these teams, there's teams of guys writing songs. Oh, yeah. You know? And which is cool. I mean, I don't have any issue with someone yeah. singing songs that another person wrote because yeah, songwriting is extremely that. difficult. But it's like... Exactly. As long as... And sometimes... The respect is paid to the guys that do write that the That musician is able to deliver the 
the kind of I almost say image, even though we're talking about music, but the majority of these songwriters have this idea in their head of how it needs to be portrayed, how it needs to be projected, and they may not be able to do that. So if they find the someone who's willing, can. exactly, and it strikes the same chord with them, like man, I'd love to do this for you, kind of thing. That's how you get some of that special collaboration, that special stuff, you yeah. know. Or they um, may write a song and say, you know what, man, this is a this is a Luke Bryan song. It's just yeah. the, the sound it has. Luke Bryan's gonna kill this. <laughs> Speakers go boom boom. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> or this is a this is Alan Jackson. Or, you know, whoever yeah. like. You write a song, and you can tell who you can honestly probably tell this guy could sing this. Yep. You know, or if this guy sang it, it wouldn't be very good. <laughs> you know, or it, just, it w- wouldn't like you say it wouldn't give off the imagery yep. that I I have envisioned for this yep. or whatever. Now we're uh, again, like I said, a bunch of friends. You know, two friends here catching up, always having a good time. And I know we're kind of going on tangents, but speaking of twenty nineteen stuff, I've listened to. We never um, did that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kind of went on yours, and I'm very, I guess you could say, more current. Like, I definitely, it's very rare that I stick on certain albums. Um, that Dayseeker album that you were talking about, I did yeah. stick on that quite a bit. Listened to it for a while. But the big one was uh, just recently, actually, and to this day, I think it's one of the best, I would say, recent albums. And as recent, it was, I think it came out in 2006. But I know <laughs> That's people, not very recent. People won't kill me for this. But My Chemical Romance, The Black Parade. I love My Chemical Romance. Dude. Always have. That album is phenomenal. And the reason why I listen to it is, again, they are going tour again. So if they come around, hopefully we'll see them. With that being said, I did see them live once. And it's kind of ironic because at that time, I didn't really, I guess I wouldn't say care for them as much. But um, they were more or less opening up for Blink. So you know where my mind was there. Yeah. So I was like, man, when's Blink coming out? <laughs> I saw but, them. And also it was after the Black Parade, which is kind of interesting because talking about a musician, man, Ger- Gerald Way, I don't, I, hopefully I don't butcher your name. Also, shout out, he's cousins of Steve Ro- jo- uh, Joe, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, yeah. <laughs> Crazy stuff. But uh, the dude was an intern for Cartoon Network, first of all. Hold on a second. Before we go any further, Will Putney is the guitar player for Fit for an Autopsy. Not okay. the hired and writer, sorry. <laughs> I just remember that. But... So this dude, at one point in time, was an an animator, internship. I'm assuming he had animated for Cartoon Network at one point. Really? Because so, he did all the concept album, like all the drawings for yeah. the Black Parade. That's all his drawings. Have you seen him now? He's yeah. fat. He's pretty, <laughs> he's pretty interesting. <laughs> With that being said, though, he went and he, um, um, the majority of people probably have Netflix, massive streaming. There's a show on there called Umble- Umbrella Academy. Pretty phenomenal show. That's him, isn't it? Yep, that's I've him. heard that. He has a, uh, I guess you would call it graphic novel line. That's not necessarily a comic line, but he has a graphic novels, all him. That's kind of one of the reasons why I'm assuming he, you know, they kind of hug it up on my chemical romance at that point in time. Long story short, dude, the guy is insanely creative. And I was looking up some Black Parade stuff because I was learning some of their music not too long ago. And it's pretty interesting because um, they actually cited Queen quite a bit. For that album inspiration, so if you actually listen that. to it, yeah, it's very anthem. It's very, um, I guess, like show, like a full on show, full on set. And that Black Parade album is phenomenal from start to finish. Yeah. And the fact that it's a concept album, you know, in cool? modern times, I seen phenomenal. phenomenal. I actually got free tickets from a girl's mom that my brother was dating at the time. Um, shout out to Greg. Shout out Greg. What up? Uh, <laughs> he, uh, we saw them. Mike and Romance and Muse was open up for them right after the Black Muse Parade album. In North America? Yeah. It's phenomenal. Um, 
They weren't very good live. I'm gonna be honest with you. Really? I love her music. But here's the thing, My Chemical Romance. You know that is a concept album. They first came out. They played all their older stuff in normal street clothes. You know what I'm saying? Halfway through the concert, they went backstage and changed into all their Black Black Parade outfits and came out and played almost that entire album. That's insane, dude. It and the whole stage changed and everything. It was one of the coolest concerts I've ever seen. Yeah, where they played the singles, but they didn't play any of the actual headline. Yeah, their headline. Because if I'm not mistaken, album. during that tour, they actually played from first start of the song to the end of that album. I'm pretty sure they, they played, might have played the all whole, the way through. Because you know they played the you know, I'm, track by track. I'm not so. okay song and yep. some stuff. And uh, is it Helena or Helena? However Helena, you say yeah. it, Ghost uh, of You, some stuff of like that. Yeah, that and then they played the Black Parade album, and dude, yeah. it was it was next level, man. It now I'll awesome. tell you some crazy stuff about this. Because again, I kind of dive into this stuff when I start listening to this music, and um. It's really interesting to find any kind of perspective on how these musicians write, because hopefully, in truth, you know, Chris and I would hope to be able to write one day ourselves, and hopefully dive into that. And some of that is you got to learn from your peers. I'm saying peers, your influences, or whatever it may be. Um, They've made that album, by the way, in a haunted mansion. Really, L.A. They went and rented out a legit, well-known, I can't remember the name, sorry out there, I know these people are going to kill me over this here, hear this stuff. They rented out this home dimension to record that album in because he wanted to have that setting and that mindset for what that album stood for. Because again, it's a concept album. And there's a song on that album called Sleep. I don't know if you how you know well familiarized with it, but the song is based off sleep paralysis, which is something I've actually struggled with in life before. Uh, thankfully, not too recent, but I just don't sleep. It's scary, man. It's some scary stuff. You think you're awake, but you're truly not. You feel like you're being suffocated. You feel like there's some kind of entity over you. Long story short, he actually came to. And I don't know if he had this prior, but during that album and the writing and recording of that album, he started having that in that mansion, which is supposedly haunted. Now, that's, that's some tight. weird stuff, man. And he wrote the song "Sleep" based off of these nightmares and these not terrors and these dreams that he were having. So it's kind of having. interesting. And then on top of that, like even the one of their big songs, I mean, the Black Parade is probably the biggest one off that one, but they got a song called My Famous Last Words. That song is my favorite song because it has this almost southern rock riff in it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So much fuel, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, like that's my favorite song off that album because it, the whole album's great, but that song sounds different than anything on the yeah. album. So, you know, like yeah. it has such a cool and guitar it actually, part. I would say it's probably my favorite off that album as well. I mean, like I said, that album's pretty deep and you really dive into it. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. But talking about that song, which is really interesting, you know what he wrote it about? His brother, who's the bassist of the band. He really? Left, they were brother. Yep, he left the band. And he actually wrote that song, him and the lead guitarist wrote that song together. Kind of like a more or less call out to him saying it's all right that you left, but I want you here because I can't do this without you. Because he was kind of assuming, and like one of the lines is, um, it's like, I can't remember, I'm going to butcher this, but these lights are shining bright. And he's alluding to how big my chemical romance were coming. Because I think in a weird way, I don't think they ever expected to be as to big be as they, they were. At, yeah. yeah. And I, they definitely didn't expect the Black Parade to be as big as it was. And, and that's uh, where all their emo fanatics came yeah. from, was the Black Parade out. But he was alluding to that, and he was saying, man, like... You know, this is more or less, this is you and I, I can't do this without you, but if you're not wanting to do it, I understand, and that's kind of the general idea of that song, but yet it still wraps up as the final song, The Black Parade, 
as who, from my understanding, it's like, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think it's called the patient who's actually yeah. dying at that time and ascending onto, I'm assuming, heaven or hell. And that's the idea behind it. Like, that one song, he summarizes an actual personal conflict that he was dealing with at the time with his brother leaving, which is the basis of the band, as well as the actual summarization of a concept album. It's crazy stuff. But that's one of the albums I've listened to. Another one, by the way, this is some weird stuff. I have no idea how I missed this, but I even sent you some songs from Zebrahead. Dude, that band is... You talk about a band that can... That can transcend literally any genre music. If you've never heard this band, the first song he sent me, I want to say, was some kind of like almost like punkish style rock, nothing crazy. Similar to Sum Forty One, yeah, say. like a Sum Forty One esque. Yeah, definitely because Sum Forty One yeah. changed big there. A Chuck album type. Then the next song was like screaming, had some real heavy parts. Like you know, I can get behind this. Then the next song was like also a lot of rage reggae stuff. Well, the next song you sent me was like a freaking reggae reggae song. And I'm like, what am I listening to? And the thing was, it was the same album. It's not like this band changed from album to album. This was all off the same freaking album. Yeah, so seriously, shout out to Zebrahead because I literally can't believe I missed this band. Because it literally, I mean, it's, if you're sitting there driving a convoy and you got Blink, Green Day, and Sum 41 in, they're the car right behind them. And somehow, some way, I grew up. Neck deep is Blink (laughs) Wayne's little brother. But somehow I grew up and did not realize this band even existed yeah. until the last year. I came across them and I was like, "How have I missed this band?" And so shout out to them. Um, that was one of the ones I found in 2019. Kind of dived into their catalog, which is pretty interesting. So, okay, enough of this band talk. Let's talk gear. You know, I am a self-proclaimed gearhead, but I don't own that much gear. He says he's not a gearhead. But if you add up monetary value of the equipment that I have versus he has, he's rocking probably five times the amount of money on the gear he has. But his most recent purchase—he's selling himself short because he was over there serving our country, protecting our shores, while I was over here. I don't. I'm know, not even making get, some bank. I'm not even college, you know? getting behind that argument right now. <laughs> He does the most recent purchase is this the Fender Telecaster Artist Series Jim Root Edition. If you don't know who Jim Root is, shout uh, out to Jim Root. Shout out. He is the guitar player for We'd Love You on the Show. Um Slipknot and Another self taught by the way. Has a lot of sick guitars. He has a jazz master telly. He has a strat too. Does he have a strat? Yep, he has a strat too. All of them are freaking sick. Um not what you think a jazz master or a telly would do, but it's got really active hot EMGs in it. So it's just, it's, it's not nasty. even a really a telly. It just has the shape of one. But it's and if you're a Dater cool. Mirror fan, Neil, he recorded the majority of his albums using the Jim Root telly um, before ESP kind of swooped in and took over because, again, it's the same pickups from my understanding. But phenomenal. I mean, but then it on definitely the, blew my mind when we first got it. On the acoustic side, he's rocking a. Three thousand dollar Taylor, um, three series, right? Four series. Four series. That is, got some tones that come out of that guitar that I've never heard before. It is gorgeous and amazing, and I'll never own one because I don't play acoustic enough to really put that kind of money into it. But him and his dad are big into Americana bluegrass type Folk, stuff, yeah. so 
that's really up there, alley. His dad has a Martin DB. I think it's, well, he has a Golden Air D30. D30 um, signed by Allison Krauss. Well, the D30 is not signed by Allison Krauss. He has another Martin. I can't oh. remember the model number, but that one is signed by Allison yeah. Krauss. Yes. Whatever. It's been 100 years since I've seen that guitar. Same here. But, <laughs> but uh, it's Locks it away. crazy. Now, and he's amp wise, he's rocking the Fender Mustang, their new newest version, the 100 watt version of their 200 watt. Oh, yep. And me. shout out to anyone, by the way, by chance, who owns this Mustang. Again, being a gearhead, this amp, I would say, has almost an infinity amount of stuff that you can do in it. It is insane. Um, with that being said, I've never made my own football, uh, what do you call it, switch pedalboard, pedal board, which is Chris the building himself right now. But this amp in itself technically has all that stuff built into it. So I'm still learning it. So if you want to hear this stuff, want to reach more, out and help me out with it's it, more man. Presets. He doesn't. I could use it. He's getting, I'm trying to get him more into using different effects and uh, stuff like that that he's not really ever used before because we've always played like punk and stuff like that. So you really need just a distortion pedal for that. You don't need any, I mean, you could use it if you wanted to, more delays and modulation and stuff like that. But I have my pedal board that I use for playing at my church. And I mean, I use reverb, delay, I use... Um, compressors and, and and overdrive pedals and everything that I uh, use for that. But I'm trying to build a better board. Mine's real basic right now. But my amp that I use, I use a Vox AC-15. I uh, got a really good deal on it. It is a gorgeous sounding amp. My only issue with it is I, I play a Telecaster and uh, with those single coils, it's just loud. It's really... Hummy, of course, that's what single coils are, especially if you're playing through an amp like a Vox. Super clean, but it's going to have that that hum to it because it's more as a British style amp. Um, but it's really fun, really good sound. It's got the sound that I want out of it with my telly and all my pedals and everything. I'm really wanting to get in uh, on my Line 6 Helix game. Um, now, Neural DSP just released a multi-effect processor like the Helix. But uh, if I could afford to, I'd have a Axe Effect um, or a Kemper or a Helix. I can't afford any of them right now. But that's something I really want. Um, and I'm trying to get uh, Keaton on there. So please leave a review that can help us possibly afford <laughs> that one day. Uh, I'm really trying to get Keaton on that game as well. Because, I mean, this Mustang amp is, is cool. You can do a lot of the same stuff, but... With the Helix, you can really get in and really dial in the sound you want. It's a very usable sound out of those two, and something I really would like to have. And it's just easier to deal with than carrying all this this junk around. Plus, you can run it straight in front of house with XLRs out and everything, which is bananas. But it's just really cool. And As I mean, Quinn Stavani would say bananas. <laughs> and all the new gear that's coming out, man. All the and a lot of this stuff is all, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know what I'm trying to say. A lot of it is modeling, amp mo- that's what I'm looking for, amp modeling and stuff like that is kind of the new wave, especially it's with recording. More or less. Yeah, it's kind of the new wave, the way things are going, and that's really something that... Going digital less tube, you know. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, there, nothing will ever replace a tube amp and a 4x12 cabinet for me, especially loving metal and stuff like that. You can't 
ever replace that, the warmthness, the sound that comes from it. Yeah. But you can get pretty daggum close, yeah. you know. So that's something that I really want to. And just shout out, man, to musicians in general. Like, you know, Chris and I, we use a main hobby. Sadly, we've had a lot of, um, not sadly, actually. We just have a lot of stuff in life that we have to take care of and do. And that's enjoying itself. And, you know, we didn't probably attack it as hard as we should have when we were younger. But, um, just, I mean, like, sh- you know, shout out to, like, this kind of, I guess, I'm going to say industry in this sense. But the fact that you can go there and buy just traditional, old, just amazing, you know, amps, tubes, whatever it may be to project whatever sounds you want. But yet, and here we are in 2020, you can buy a device that can mimic does it all. that sound. It does it all. You know. Like, and here's the thing. You my have both dream, musicians. You my know. dream amp and cab, what I want is a PV5150 uh, ran through a Mesa oversized 4x12 cab. That's what I want for metal. (laughs) Now, in the stuff I play at church, I would love a Fender Twin Reverb or uh, one of those super clean amps, super good pedal platform amps. But you get in with this Helix and stuff like that, it's all there. Like I said, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be exactly the same. But it's pretty doggone close. It's usable. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome, man. It's cool stuff. And, you know, if I had $2,000 to blow, I'd have one of those. Like 36 months, you know, no interest financing. Let's let's Mm -mm. get it, man. I'm good, dog. (laughs) I don't need all that. And with that being said, you know, you definitely know more about this gear stuff than I do. and. YouTube, bro. That's all. I watch YouTube videos all the time. But and that's innately what like I have to become better, even as a musician myself, is to learn more and more about. Well, gear. see, here's so the I thing. I'm not a gamer. For, you know? I don't do anything with my spare time other than hang out with my fiance and watch YouTube videos, and yeah, when, when I'm not playing music, so I don't have anything occupying my time. So I watch this stuff and I learn about it and I research it on, on my phone and all kinds of stuff like that. You know, that's how oh, yeah. I've learned what I know. With that being said, I'm just going to throw this out here. I do enjoy some games occasionally, <laughs> so I kind of alluded to that. Big movie buff here and there. Um, with all that being said, you know, work, life, home life, wife life, it does take and suck so much time out of your day. Um, so that's kind of what he's alluding to. We can't all put it to 100% music. We wish we could, though. Hey, just saying, Breaking Benjamin, blow me away. Halo 2, big gamer. That's how you wrote that song. Oh, you know, it, man. We're, we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, to it. Okay, we're getting now pretty far into said, this. We're at over an hour into this podcast. You have a couple uh, just talking about gear and whatnot, and I'm gonna just mine's gonna be more general, and I guess say big item stuff. Um, actually, I do not currently own a base, so I'd actually like to own a, some sort of base. Um, I just of literally jazz is the one that always comes to mind. It's probably the most famous, most known. I want a Ernie Ball Stingray. That's my dream base. Um, I own a Yamaha. Nothing crazy. It does what I needed to do, and it looks cool. It's That's like this natural wood finish. So <laughs> That's probably exactly what I'm gonna. I'm actually. I think I paid like two fifty for it. You know? Yes, I'm saying. I'm, I'm nothing crazy. Cheap, something small. Off the guitar um, center rack. Nothing. Yep. Okay. Wait. Sorry. And I do want to get. Oh, sorry. Continue. There's one thing I was going to tell. We talked about kind of before the podcast. When I was in Nashville, I went to this place called Eastside Music Supply. That place is amazing. Um, 
there's a Fender Jazzmaster in there that's been custom built by a guy they called Dan. His business called like Danocaster or something like that. It was this blue guitar, and I picked it up and I was playing it, not plugged in or anything. And I have never heard a sound like this come out of a guitar. It resonated. I've always heard the best way to t- to tell how your electric's going to sound is to play it unplugged, right? So I'm playing it, and there's loud music playing in the store. There's me, my buddy, and the guy that works there. That's it. And the guy, I'm like, man, this guitar is nice. He goes, dude, I can hear that over this loud music. Dude, shout out to Jacob Slavin. Sorry about that. My boy, Carolina Hurricanes, Defitzman, maybe one of the best blue linesmen in the dang league over here, oh dropping God. out on the all-star in St. Louis, you know, no the skills test, man. Sorry, I had to interrupt no you. No one cares about that. Hey, you know you love sports just as, as much but as the, I do. But the guy was oh, like, sorry. man, he's like. Let's go to shout out. <laughs> uh, he was like, man, I can hear that over this. And I'm playing it, and like literally, I fell in love with this guitar. I've never felt that kind of connection with an instrument before. And I yeah, suck at guitar, dude. Well, then I was like, I had some money to blow, and I was like, I'm going to buy this guitar. I said, How much is this thing? $5,000 for a used guitar. Wow. I was like, nah, bro, I'm good. <laughs> and then I hung it up, and I went and played another thing. I picked up a Gibson ES335 used. Dude, I'd love one of those. Actually, that's one of the guitars that I really would like myself. I would love to have one. Hollow body, Gibson. He was like... 335. Well, you know, Tom's signature yeah. was a 333. It's a That's a 335 with a different finish. That's all it is. Yep. And... Uh, now, the 339, just my mistake. That's the one that's thicker, right? Yeah. So they actually have yeah. okay, but the the guy's like, oh yeah, that one's used. It's four thousand. I was like, dude, I gotta get out of this store, bro. <laughs> like, I do not need to be in here. Um, but no, that place was cool, man. That that's the most amazing guitar I've ever played, ever. But yeah, dude, we're rocking over an hour in this podcast. We got one thing we decided would be a great idea. Each week, we're going, or each time we do one, uh, we give each other an album to review and it's we're I don't know what we're going to call it right now we're, we're going to call it the side stage unwanted review because it's not music that we enjoy I gave Keaton uh, the Acacia Strains new album because I know that's not his type of music and this freaking jerk gave me an album by a group called I'm gonna butcher this. A tease, a tease, a t e e z. Just want to throw some personal stuff in here. You know, Chris and I having a good time. We were drinking a little bit of imported South Korean magical drinks over here. <laughs> hey, this is a South Korean pop band. This so is we're a, bringing a home. This is a K-pop band that I'm also pretty sure I heard some Spanish in this. <laughs> In this, uh, <laughs> and the the album is called Treasure Epilogue Action to Answer. It's an EP, five song EP, released on January sixth of this year. And um, I am not a K-pop fan. No one before Honestly, you. I've heard of it, never listened to it, and I don't plan on ever listening to it ever again. But I will say, this album was fun to listen to. I didn't understand a word that was said. Half the music was in, half the lyrics were in some type of 
Asian, Southeast Asian language, and the rest of it was in English, but I didn't even understand the English. Um, musically, it was fantastic. I will say it's real poppy, like radio pop is really I, what yeah. it is. Yep. It was fun to listen to. I had a really good time, but also when it was, I could not wait for it to be over because just, it <laughs> it really, that kind of music strikes a chord with me anyway where I'm just like, oh God, you know, just <laughs> kill me, dude. But since I was forced to listen to it, forced to do this because I really want to stay true to what this is and have a little fun with it, this was terrible. But it it was also fun to listen to. And with that being said, you know, I, I gave the album a listen as well. Because he's a jerk. Um, <laughs> and I will say, as in production value, it is phenomenal. It is insane well, it's great. how they get this it's out no of here. It's no bullcrap. I'm going to give him a little insight here because he probably doesn't know this. But K-pop is massive, first of all. It's, it's actually, in, I would say invading, but that's a weird word to use into, you know. That sounds like an act of Definitely war, into America, United States, all over the globe. Um, Are you telling me Korea's come taking over America? Is that what you're trying to tell me right now? Maybe through... Uh, through K-pop? Yeah, <laughs> yeah capitalism. But with that being said, if I'm not mistaken, and I know there's people that can correct me on this, it is an extremely, extremely competitive they go to school to actually be in these bands, and there has been multiple suicides really? because of members that, who cannot. I did get hear through. of that one girl yep. that was it, in the big K-pop band, Baby. What Baby Metal was it? It's not. I don't know. I'm just saying. I've read multiple things and uh, these schools and these systems. I think Baby Metal is Japan, by the way. I think. I don't but know. Yes, like these people. Like I don't know. I, should I lived in Japan for two years, and I don't know the difference. For that. But they really do, you know, it's something to, I don't know how you say it, but strive for. It's a badge of honor from my understanding. And it is extremely highly stressful for them, which can lead to some of these unfortunate events, which is just a, amazing. Because when you listen to the songs, you can't tell. It seems like they're having the best time of their life, to be honest with you. But at the end of the day, man, just from the mass production, and I hate to say it, but it seems like it's kind of capitalism in a nutshell and them trying to make as much money as they possibly can and yeah. knowing that they're just a number and could be cut at any time or whatever band could come up right behind them you know it seems like it's a high stressful kind of thing but it's it's crazy man you can't take it for granted what kind of industries you know they're yeah. out there and what you get to be in and whatnot but okay enough with this, this crap because it stresses me out just thinking about it now you can, I'm a big metalcore, metalhead. I love music like that. And I'd heard a lot of good stuff about this new Acacia Strain album. Um, what is the name of that album? Um, yeah, hold on a second. To it today. Their new album is called It Comes in Waves. Yeah, it comes in it waves. came out exactly. December 26, 2019. I heard great things about it. This is a band that I, I actually garnered a lot of respect for. Um, during one of these recent mass shootings, one of the shooters was wearing an Acacia Strain um, hoodie, and the media tried their best to slander them because of their style of music, and they stood up to it and said, you know what, that is bull crap. That is not what we're about. You can listen to our lyrics, and that is not what we're doing. And they chastised this guy, which rightfully so, they should have. Because their music has nothing to do with this guy being an absolutely terrible human being. Um, they're great musicians, seem to be great dudes that just love playing heavy music. 
and uh, their new album. I yeah. feel like there's some symbolism that had to do with that because every song is written, or every song name is one word, and our exactly. and there yes. there's seven songs, and every song in order says our only sin was giving them names. That's all seven yeah. songs is what they're called. So I feel like there's some symbolism to that in there, uh, but I heard great things about it, and I listened to it, and I was like, you know, this and Keaton gave me this K-pop band to be funny, which it was funny because I. I didn't know what to think when I was listening to it, but I gave him this because I really wanted to hear his opinion on a band that's not really his style of music, but it's something that I feel like he could still get down to, but it's just a little outside of his reign. Yep. So what do you think about it? it? Just circling back to the idea as we started this podcast about being naive about a certain industry, this is what this whole exercise is about. Yeah. Because music is international, regardless of what you think. It's in whatever language, you know. And with that being said, it is also universal because of how music can be played. Regardless if it's a different language, it's still music, if you know what I'm talking about. And even though some of this is in jest, the idea behind it is more or less to sharpen and expand our horizon on what we know of in the music industry. So it's kind of a way to think about how to align. And he is right. I haven't listened to... I would say, what did you call it? Deathcore. This is super more heavy. Death metal. Deathcore. Um, so, with that being said, it wasn't awful. I, I enjoyed say, it. I don't know if there's multiple vocalists because there was a vocal range with his screams, which I thought was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. They take their time and they pick and choose when they want to do speed, which I thought was extremely interesting, depending on the bands, kind of with that industry, because a lot of them. I feel like do focus on speed and almost aggression where this band almost, if you really start the album from beginning to finish, I actually think it's a concept album. There's a lot of emotion. That's what I'm saying. I, th- I feel like there's I'm some symbolism sure a concept album to, some to extent, it. Yeah. Because every song ends and leads into the next. Um, they I do mean, kind of the run last together. Note, exactly. And it's almost to an extent groovy. And yeah. That's a weird way to say. And then when they want to throw in some of that heavy, hard stuff, they really push it. But with that being said, majority of it, which is really odd, some of the lyrics I could understand, and then some of it I had zero idea what he was saying, so I actually had to read it. But the lyrical content of these albums, I would say, first of all, there's not many. It's kind of insane, which means I think they're trying to definitely emphasize some kind of point. They're trying to make sure and push it to the best that they possibly can. Um, So I thought that was pretty interesting, and like I said, overall, like, biggest part, I would say, and this is the only, I guess, critique, or and I know it's part of this music in itself, and this is, again, alluding to some of my, uh, while I enjoy it and remember, for instance, none of this kind of, like, and this is why I enjoy them so much, but they have an album called Common Courtesy. Yep. If you listen to that album, number six on that song is a full acoustic song. There's no bass, there's no drum. It's just acoustic guitars. Almost folk-like. And the next song is Violence, Enough is Enough, which yep. is just straight up circle pit, let's have a good time, heavy as can possibly be. And it's a range, it's dynamic, it's coming in and out. And it's almost like, i give you an example. If you run a marathon, there's no way you're running six miles an hour the whole time. Yep. You might have to walk a little bit. You might have to sprint a little bit. It's a range where this whole album, I did feel like, for the most part, it just seemed like flat, almost. Yeah. Like, and it truthfully, even though it's seven, I think it's seven tracks, if yep. I'm not mistaken, it seemed like one track the whole time. Yeah, and that's what, 
And it I seemed like they had maybe exclamation marks here and I there, had but to it listen just seemed to it like one two or three the times time. to pick the different songs out. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a very, I'm the type of person, I don't, I hate when people turn on a their phone, and they're like, oh, I'm play this one song by this artist and this one song by this artist. I'm an album guy. I start at the very beginning and I play it to the end. That's the way I am. You know. And most so, musicians will actually write radio hits and yeah. singles, and what they really want to truly project, as in their craftsmanship, is within the songs that's yeah. within the album. So kudos, man. That's what you got to do. All right. So we got that over with. I don't know if he has one for me yet, but he uh, he mentioned asking oh, Alexandria man. earlier. I so agree. his album for the next podcast I'm going to get him to review is by Danny Warsnop, who is the lead singer of um, Asking Alexandria. All Shades of Blue. Have you listened to that before? Yeah, man. Okay, I got to pick something else Which then. Is pretty phenomenal. Shout it's out to him. Fantastic, the guys because, amazing. Because yes, exactly. Okay, going from what I'm going to have prior. you review my favorite album of the year, "Nothing Left to Love" by Counterparts. Okay. Okay. Tell me what you think about it next time, and uh, I'm gonna give you one too. It's gonna be a little more current, and it's gonna be extremely, extremely relative, because this person is. I would just say massive, as in their quality and, I guess, impact on the music industry. But it's Lizzo. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I love you. I will listen to that, mainly because Megan will listen to it with me. So, yeah. So, all right, man. That'll be That's everything we have. If you've made it through this part of this podcast if you made it through this whole thing we can't thank you enough um hearing us two idiots ramble on and hopefully you'll come back for more uh hopefully eventually like i said we'll get some more actual gear reviews and stuff and uh hopefully get some of these podcasts filmed to get them on youtube and just try to get a better platform for you guys to hear them man but because we want to grow along with you exactly that's the whole idea is we want to become better musicians we become better within the music industry itself you know the idea behind it and Truthfully, if you hear this and you just give us some kind of insight, let us know if you want more long form. Because what are we going on right now? What's the time? We're at an hour and a half. Hour and a half. So a lot of just so talking. That's actually and kind of average, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, Joe Rogan, man, he can go four and a half, six. And again, well, that's a big. People influence. like that guy. Yeah. People don't like us. So hey, uh, we don't know that yet. Nah, man. But seriously, if you guys can just give well, us just a shout us out, look us up. Um, we're on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is that dude niz, T H A T. D-U-D-E-N-I-Z-Z. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. Tell me what you think. And um, just just hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. Give us some ideas for topics in gear. Give me some gear to look into. Just anything, man. And uh, hopefully I can get Keaton where he can actually do these gear reviews instead of just being lazy. But you know what I'm saying. I really appreciate it, guys. We're going to sign off here, man. We'll see oh, you later. i get my sign off real quick. Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Hit so, yeah, up. my name is Keaton, by the way. Keaton Kirby. Um, cool fun fact. Named after uh, Michael Keaton, more or less. So that's you can not say, fun um, or cool. Named after either Batman and or Beetlejuice. That's not, fa- that's not fun or cool. Next. That was the time. Dude, Michael Keaton is phenomenal. <laughs> well, with that being said, it uh, my Twitter handle is at panfan992. Pan fan, it's because I'm a huge Panthers fan. I'm a North Carolina homer. Love all my home base teams. Um, big sports guy, hit me up. That being said, we're out of here. See you guys. Thanks. <laughs>